We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast, episode 142 of the Pod Joe Musso alongside Matt Rooney, here to bring you the smoothest stylings from the sporting world. And mm, Matt, not, ne- not necessarily the extent of uh, the All-Star break over summer where you get that uh, MLB All-Star break where there's the two days on each end where really nothing's happening in the sport mm-hmm. world. Not to that extent, but things have slowed down around the NBA All-Star break um, as we kind of eye March Madness and conference tourneys a little bit as we move into that part of the sporting schedule. Major season in golf because mm-hmm. we are a golf, golf podcast and a tiger, tiger pod. podcast. Everybody knows these things. Um but there's still a little bit to talk about. We're going to look back on All-Star Weekend, look forward to the second half a little Big bit. Big Bulls-Hornets game tonight, Joe. Big uh, Bulls-Hornets game. We're, Playoff we're implications. Big Bulls-Hornets game. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a first meeting since the Crazy Levine comeback, so keep that on your mind. Oh, I there believe, you go. If I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Um, we're also going to do the obit on the Chicago Blackhawks. Matt's got that one covered. All right, talk Pete. a little spring training, bean balls and buzzers, all that stuff. Do a little buy or sell, send you on your way. Might be a little abridged version of the Moose and Ruth podcast here on episode 142, but we don't force things. That's we the, the, what we got. The people you know? know when there's not football and not big stories, so we're not going to keep you here forever. We're going to get in. We're going to get out. That's fine. We're going to get our efficient um, information in, and then that's it. We're not going to keep you here longer than you need to be. Let's uh, let's start it off here. We didn't do much Tiger talk on the pre-show uh, or no. on, our, on our pre-production, but do want to get your takeaways of what was a very disappointing week for the big big cat at um, at the most Riviera. recent tournament at Riviera at uh, the Genesis Invitational uh, has since been elevated to Invitational status. Mm-hmm. Got to be right there. Um, but Tiger comes out, looks great through about thirteen holes on Thursday. All signs of pointing towards contention. And then it really just went to crap, um, and he played. He just makes it into the weekend, and then plays two of his worst rounds in competitive golf history. Um, didn't appear to be searching for anything, grasping for anything. Just didn't look to have it in my eyes. But uh, what was your takeaway from Tiger's weekend? Yeah, you know, I didn't watch a ton of it either. I was paying, you know, pretty decently close attention on Twitter, but I didn't really have it on TV in, uh, in, in front of me as much. But. Yeah, it just kind of seemed like one of those weekends for him. I mean, we talked about it last week. Historically, he's not usually that great at Riviera. And it seemed like through those first nine, ten holes, whatever, that he was about to shake it. But, I mean, he even said it just didn't really do much well, didn't really have it this weekend. That's As a 44-year-old, those weekends are going to happen. And uh-huh. especially with a guy like Tiger, who still kind of does pick and choose his spots. He's still working on things. He needs to be ready for the Masters. He needs to be ready for Augusta in a couple months. And that's kind of where I'm at with him. I don't really worry about, as much as I'd like to see him you know, competitive every tournament, I don't really worry about the tournaments where he goes out like this and has a bit of a clunker. That's just going to happen for 44-year-old golfers. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, and it all... You seem clean. to have watched it more than I do. So if you yeah, saw some things, most I did. We did a couple of pre and post shows. Um, so I saw almost every swing that was broadcast. Of seen, did you see Nance's interview with the CEO, by the way? Uh, I did see that dude's shirt, shirt was like popping open. It was, was a little bit, maybe, maybe, was a little bit tight. It was a maybe, custom number. They might have gone a little overboard. Maybe you know? bump that up from like a fifteen to a fifteen and a half for me. Yeah, I mean he's feeling himself. He's a he's and that's like fine. A, you're you're a CEO. Like a middle aged man in good man. shape. That's you're fine, CEO. Like, yeah, good tan. Good tan on you. You're at you're in Hollywood. It had all the makings of a tight shirt. So I just loved watching the broadcast zoom in as to get like his navel out of the shot. That was good stuff. But no, my worry, 
prefer Tiger is the flat stick. And fair enough. That's all. He that's used to be able to. Yeah, and you know that's usually what it is for golfers in their forties is that that putter starts to escape them. But weekends that the putter's there, it seems like everything else just falls into place, mm-hmm. at least from fairway to green. Off the tee, it's always going to be a question of, you know, how he's hitting it, how he's attacking it. Is he taking the driver iron out more than the driver? What does the course call for? That type of thing. But if he's putting it well, it seems like everything else just falls into place. And Riviera, historically, is one of the hardest putting courses on tour, major or otherwise. Um, It has the highest rate of three putts from inside 10 feet in the last 20 years on tour. It was 10th in scoring average last year on tour. Like, it's got a couple mm-hmm. holes that could just break you. Yeah. The subtleties inside five feet and the, that Poana green, you, you don't get the truest roll sometimes. And it seems like Tiger just checked out from Saturday on. He was the tour host and really wasn't worried about it. So in that way, I don't worry about, like, his competitive fire and his ability to do it. I still think his best is up there with Rory, DJ, like, firing mm-hmm. on all cylinders. I think there's, like, four guys who are head and shoulders above everyone else right now. And I think Tiger's one of those guys still. It's just a matter of you know where that flat flat sticks at because I do think it dictates the rest of his game. That's just kind of how it's all, like it, that's how it's been with him for the last couple of years, especially. It's it, how it goes with a lot of golfers too. When the putter's running well, it seems like everything falls into place because that confidence starts to pick up. When you have confidence that you're going to have a pretty good chance to knock down a twenty foot or everything else, like you said, starts to fall into place, and that's especially the the latter you know not half but portion of Tiger's mm-hmm. you know elite career here. That's always what it's been with him. He's either he's really streaky with that putter. He's either knocking down everything, or you know you're shaking your head at you know five footers that he's just kind of lipping out missing. That's just kind of been his mo for for a while now. Yeah, um, Adam Scott goes out there, claims the title, uh, his first win in almost four years on the PGA Tour. It didn't seem like that long. That but, does uh, not seem right. But he came off. He's that's back to back wins for him because he did win on the, uh, I believe it's the European Tour. He won the Australian PGA Championship okay. uh, two weeks ago and backed it up with a win here at Riviera. So game seems to be in good shape heading into a tournament that he's won before um, that he could win again at WGC Mexico. And then you know everyone's eyeing that first week in April for uh, for Augusta, and oh. he knows how to win there. So if, if Adam Scott's game is in form. Look out for him to cash a couple checks this season because he looked really good. Um, he, while everyone kind of got tripped up, he did take steps back, but he just kind of, he was slow and steady where everyone. That's always to seems to be Adam Scott. Yeah, because there's there's a lot of gettable par fives out there on Riviera. So all the big hitters were trying to, you know, make their cake there to make up for the mistakes they had made before, a la Rory. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, wasn't wasn't the case. I still think. Rory lifts some sort of major trophy. He's, he's, he's just too talented, and I think we're seeing him at the peak of his powers right now. This, um, this happens every beginning of the season, though. Not every, like this. Not like this, man. Like he's he's pretty. He can pretty much throw it into cruise control. If not for a triple bogey on Sunday, I believe on the fifth hole, like he's right there. I think he ended up two shots off the lead at the end of the day. Like he's, his, I'm he can still be, just kind of waiting to that, believe. I'll believe it when I see tiger it. Mode. He's got that tiger mode where he can be average and still contend to win. But like, he doesn't if, usually if, go if into Rory, it when it matters that much. Like when it matters most, yeah. he never really seems to go into it. We have this conversation. Like last year we were having the same conversation. He looked unbeatable. And then the masters rolled around. He was nowhere to be seen. And we kind of didn't see much of him throughout the rest of the majors. Like that's just, that seems to be his mo. He's, he starts out really hot and you know gets some confidence, and he's 
I don't know if it's some, some ghosts he's seeing at Augusta or something, but he just seems to become a different golfer when that time of year rolls around. I'm proposing a bet. Okay. I bet that Rory wins a major this season. Okay. You're giving me you're giving me two to one odds on a dozen golf balls. Two to one. So if he wins a major, you buy me two dozen. If he doesn't, I buy you one. Uh, okay, sure. Why not? Done. Let it be written here. Told, on told you people we find a way to bring another bet in. <laughs> episode one forty two, the Rory bet goes into effect. Um, I still want the right. balls you owe me. Let it be written. You're getting them when we go on our okay, golf I'm just, trip. I'm just Matt, making right? sure that's not... You I'm know, saving myself postage. No, I'm I, saving I, I, that's myself fine. postage. That's fine. I just um, want to make sure that that's not being... That's not being waived here. That's not being canceled. That's still a bet that all. I want. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, we will have, along we will have a golf trip, though, like you just said, come up here in May. We'll, we'll do a live podcast again. Hopefully, Hopefully this one hit, stays up. It's going to hit the airwaves. Gonna it's going to hit us. See how long it stays. We're going to see how many... How many... Tito's and sodas are consumed on the course, and then that'll dictate whether or not the podcast ever sees the light of day. Over under three and a half Roonies that appear on the podcast. Uh, oh, that's a good line. I right? have to think about that one. Right? That's a really good line. Yeah, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll make let's, that bet before. Before. Let's jump back into the rundown here. All-Star Weekend in Chicago took center stage. Really a, a fantastic um, display of all of the things that basketball means to Chicago, all the things that Chicago means to basketball. The pre-show stuff was fantastic outside of Shaka Khan singing the uh, national anthem. I thought that despite poor judging, it was an awesome dunk contest display, three-point contest. You know, I got a soft spot in my heart for Buddy Buckets, so that struck, struck a chord with me. Um, skills competition is, is give or take for me anyway. Yeah, so uh, didn't watch Rising Stars. Apparently there were some nice Zion moments in that. Uh, but it, all in all, I think it was a successful weekend for Chicago if only we had a competitive basketball team, team. that could have could have we been could have featured, not been like, well. hey, you have a great city. We had that but, like players. But spin it as a positive yeah. here. Spin Fair it enough. as a positive here because the rest of the country saw just how futile things are in Chicago when it comes to Bulls basketball. That you know there is this passion for the game and there is this passion for everything ancillary to the game, but there's just not a team to be passionate about right now. And I think that's really um, opened some eyes that might not have been open before. And if and if that's what needs to be done, if that sort of um, if that sort of public humiliation is what leads to change, then then I think we were successful in a different way this All-Star weekend. It, it did kind of start to leak out, too, which I guess you can call a success that the Reinsdorfs are you know, looking to shuffle the front office in some sort of way. I mean, very vague at that Sun-Times article that I'm not sure you read, um, but it basically seems like Gar is going to be reassigned. Paxson might be somewhat reassigned into like a Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams type role, which if that's the case, I'd rather not have John Paxson around. Get but these if he's, dudes out of the okay, room. That's, how about that? I, I agree. How about, 20 but, year, how about 20 years in, you've had your chance. Get I, them I, out I, of the room. I agree, Everything but I'm at the point where... Everything they touch turns to shit. I'm at the point where I'll just take what I can get. And if what I can get is they're going to bring in a, a new guy that's making basketball operations decisions, okay, I can live with that. That's fine. Like It's not <laughs> ideal, obviously. I don't want either of those guys in the room. I don't want them near the organization, the team, player personnel, whatever. But if it gets us a new voice and actually someone who isn't just, you know, a, a puppet for packs, um, I'll take that as a win. But another win for – go ahead. Well, then we'll talk also. No, I was going to say the things, that you, the things that you learn – when being around some franchises is that all of them are run differently, but the common denominator is collaboration. No one's doing this alone. Everybody in the room, in the war room on draft day, in the, you know, um, in the, in the meeting after, you know, 
rookie workouts mm-hmm. in all of these important at the combine in all these important situations it's a collaborative effort a meeting of the minds an air of trust that's that's where the success comes out of you think bill belichick's doing it alone you think robert Kraft's making all the calls no there are great personnel people around them do you think that success in the ground game that this 49ers team saw was just kyle shanahan's doing no there's an offensive line coach a running backs coach it is collaborative effort from the coaching staff through management and getting this thing all moving in the right direction and i I make this point to say that if gar foreman and john paxson are in the room you're gonna have issues that's fair whether or not they're the ones sitting at the heads of the table or in the middle of the table you're going to have issues. They I'm have not bad disagreeing ideas. with you there. I'm just more or less saying, like, I see this as better than nothing. And yeah. I was quite no, I honestly still that. resigned to the fact that maybe Gar was going to be gone, but this is still going to be Pax's show and he's running everything. It doesn't seem like that, so I'm at least a little bit happy that way. Would I like it to be a little bit more extreme measures taken? Absolutely. But I, I will take this as at least a positive sign. And if they're not the ones making the calls that I, I can at least live with that a little bit better. Mike is sharing his stake in the Charlotte Hornets and will be joining the room. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> no, that wouldn't. He's bad at this. I know. He doesn't do this well either. Oh, yeah, God. but he's Mike. Yeah. All right. That'll be. We should, we should set, some, we should, game, we should set some odds at like what, uh, like what X bull guy that Jerry has ties to is next to take over the organization. Kendall whispers of a Kendall Gill led bull squad. Mm. He'd bring back yeah. Derek Rose right away. I'm sure. Um, uh, All-Star weekend, though. That was fun. Yeah. And honestly, that was the most... I, I, the Saturday night was, was fine for me. I didn't, it was... Everyone seemed to love it. The dunk contest was obviously great. I just kind of thought it was a normal, for the most part, skills competition, whatever, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I think those are entertaining. They're fun for what they are. For me, the real winner was the All-Star game. I think we both kind of talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago when they did the reshuffling format of how they're doing it. Like, what's going on here? How are you doing this? Like, the whole Didn't winning quarter until we saw it. It, yeah. it made a lot of sense, and that target score made things so much more entertaining to watch. I think it was your you liked a tweet from somebody though. Can't end a pickup game on a free throw. Like, come on, that's and hey, that this is year one of that. So maybe next year they adjust that rule. But like, you're watching that like the the final. I don't even can't even say a couple minutes because there wasn't a clock, but the final ten points or so. Like. Those guys were into it. They were playing yeah. like legit basketball. Like we saw an offensive foul. We saw dudes taking charges. Like we we saw like legit defense being played. We saw it might have been the most competitive basketball we've seen outside of a few possessions of the regular season. But like it was a the most grandiose pissing contest you've ever seen in your life. It was these guys trying to state their claim over the yeah. league. Is what it almost felt like. It was really this cool. league, Joe. This That's league, what people yes. say. But it was it was fantastic. It was I, I, I was kind of. Not annoyed. I thought it was weird that they didn't really. I don't think there was a single substitution in the fourth quarter. I thought maybe get some guys out there, keep Luke it fresh a little bit. I would have yeah. loved to see Luke out there, but still very entertaining. I thought it was kind of weird that Giannis, Team Giannis, went with Kyle Lowry for an entire fourth quarter, despite who they had on their bench at the time. Yeah, but, but who else was going to take that charge? <laughs> fair enough. You don't take that charge. Well, they still lost, but you know, I guess that's a fair point, Joe. Yeah, but no, it was it was an awesome first run at the new format um, that we were super questionable and now about let's not going change into it. it let's keep it like this for no, a while There's keep no it this way the, except the, the change free I'd make yeah the change I'd make is if you commit a shooting foul um, with the game within two points or three points if it was a shooting foul on a three it's not free throws it is two possessions you get the ball off that foul 
and then if you get stopped, it's a stoppage and you get the ball again. It can't just be a. Yeah. It can't just be a because you go. You just continue to hack people down low. There needs to be incentive for not you know, not fouling mm-hmm. uh, a shooter. So I, I, they'll figure it out. I mean, they figured this out. So it was um, pretty fantastic. All the odes to Kobe were great. Uh, Jennifer Hudson was amazing. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Commons' intro. So like all the things that go along with All Star Weekend. Being someone who's from Chicago and has lived there and has a great pride for the city, even though I wasn't there, you could feel the energy it had, and I'm sure you could feel it even stronger being in the city. There was at, a at there was time. a different vibe to the city all weekend. And part of it was just the sheer amount of people in the city, but yeah. there was a different air. We talked about the approach to it, and you asked me if I felt anything different a couple weeks ago. I said no. Saturday, Sunday night, even Friday, a little bit. You can kind of tell this was. There was something you could tell, like the big event feel throughout the city. Now, I, I was not aware of how big of a deal All Star Weekend was, especially mm-hmm. when you have it in, in as big of a city like this. You know, in a Chicago and a New York and in LA, there were so many people here. There was a cool vibe to the city. It was it was a great showcase, I think, for for Chicago. You know, future All Star games, future big business, a lot hoping of money. to maybe lose some free agents, whatever. Oh, okay, let's not. I know, let's I know, not was, even I know, I know, I know. Let's it's it's not. wishful thinking. Let's it's never not happen. even go there. Yeah, unless Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell come here, that's like I think that's like I think that's the top of the top of the list right now. Sure. Even though they're not, a, I'm just saying like that tier of player. We're not we're not a destination anymore, Matt. We're not an NBA destination. Well, anymore. that's no matter a how many successful All Star weekends happen. Yeah, well, manage. No one. Want, these these players these players have all the information and more that we do. Yeah. No one wants to come and play for Jim Boyle and John Paxson and Gar Foreman. There is a there is a reputation that completely precedes them. Everyone knows what this franchise is about from coaching to management to ownership. Maybe not to the ownership level because our owner does stay pretty quiet as yeah. compared to some of the guys that are in the headlines. But they know what Chicago Bulls basketball is. They know what it was. And they know it's not that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's keeping guys away. Well, let's hope that changes at some point. But I don't really feel all that um, optimistic about it let's uh that's all i got that's all i got on make, the bulls let's make a little second Wait half, end on a set make a little second half yeah let's make a little second half prediction here before i move on from basketball okay um looking at the conferences looking at where everyone stands right now looking at what vegas believes is going to happen western conference i mean just get your tickets ready at staples center because the the odds dictated as such, it's going to be Lakers and Clippers. Mm-hmm. It's and I fun to watch the Clippers here these last couple of weeks. They seem to just be stacking up on players that they think the Lakers might go after. Like they, mm-hmm. they just uh, picked up Reggie Jackson, right? On, he agreed to a buyout with the Pistons and the Clippers scooped him up right away. It's yeah. kind of funny to see them just actively trying to keep people out of LeBron's Oh, hands. I mean, it's, it's, it's buyout season right now. It's free agent season. Everyone's looking for that piece that's floating around and they get their hands on to push them over the edge the way that... Um, the way that well, I'm trying to forget, I forget what move did Toronto make last year, right at the trade deadline. I know we're past that, but they made a big trade. Marcus Gasol, kind of, it was Gasol. Yeah, the Gasol they traded Valanciunas. You know, Gasol, that was that was much. big for them. Yeah. Um. So it's we're right in that window right now of teams trying to make that last little move. I do think LA is a shooter away still. I mean, they're a fantastic team, and if AD and LeBron got it going, they got a chance to win everything. But if anyone's dinged up. If anyone has a night off, it's you know, kind of really that hoping drive that, and kick to Caldwell Pope. It's hoping Danny Green's really just kind of on fire. Yeah, and if he's just not, if he's corner. not having a good night, he's banged up. Whatever, like you said, they're looking for a shooter. 
um, that totally you know turns our head away from the two team uh, in the Denver Nuggets. Great team, great side. Just don't have probably, a star. Probably can't guard LeBron off the wing. Um, you get down the board. Utah's solid. Houston will you know win some games. OKC, Dallas, Memphis, but it, it also. I'm very surprised, and I think we saw this a little bit at the beginning of the season, that the Eastern Conference is really where the storylines are going to be as we come down the stretch here. Mm -hmm. Milwaukee, Toronto flying under the radar at 40-15 and after losing Kawhi. Boston, when they have their four guys going, they're hard to beat by anyone. Miami, amazing at home, can't win away. Same story for Philly. I mean, the Pacers are a tough out, but those top five teams in Philly, Miami, Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee. Not sure it would shock you if one of them won. Exactly. I would not be surprised to see any one of those teams represent the Eastern Conference. Matt, if we're in agreement on Lakers-Clippers, what is the Eastern Conference Finals? What do you believe it's going to be? I think Boston's going to be there. Like you said, when they're rolling, if they're healthy, I think they are the deepest team. I think they have the most kind of top-end talent when they get going. I think we saw that against the Clippers the other night. That was one of the more fun basketball games I've seen in a while. They can score with anybody. And I just I really like Kemba Walker. Um, yeah. I think Giannis is going to get the Bucks to that conference final again. Um, I'm not sure if he can get them over that hump because I still don't love his supporting cast. I think Chris Middleton's a fine player. I'm not sure he's a great number two. And if Giannis isn't shooting well, which he doesn't often do, um, he's a little bit easier to game plan for. But I, I like those two, I think, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think Boston eventually is going to represent the East. Uh, I believe that it's going to be Bucks and 76ers, and I think the Bucks will represent the East. The Sixers are in the, they're the fifth seed right now at 34 yeah. and 21, 12 and a half games back. That's not who they are. Um, their best is better than anyone in the East. They're long, they're physical. If they can figure things out offensively, they're dominant inside the three point arc. Um, Agreed. I think that they're the scariest team in the East. I really think the four and the five are your two scariest teams right now. No disrespect to Toronto or Milwaukee, but Miami. Has a we don't give a who we don't give a care who the hell is coming into our stadium or who we're going to see we're bringing our best and mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the Jimmy Butler um, attitude that's pervaded that entire locker room and it's awesome to see wish it was the Bulls I move on and the 76ers I think the 76ers are the most ferociously built team in the East um, and if they can keep everyone in the good graces and keep everyone on the same page we've seen what they can do when Embiid and Simmons are. I think Ben Simmons is not getting the MVP-type conversation that he should be getting. By no means do I think he should win it this year. Uh, I think it's going to go to Giannis again. Vegas thinks it's going to go to Giannis again. Mm. And if not him, it's amazing to see what LeBron's doing in year 17. But I think in a close third should be Ben Simmons. We're too focused on what he can't do. What he can do is amazing. And, and, And it's not really been done by point guard, and I, I don't know he's a true point guard, but he brings the ball he to runs court. the court. It's not really been done by a point guard in a very long time. Just the physicality that he plays with, his ability to defend anyone really one through five. He's amazing, and that's why I'm still high on Philly. Uh, you've been high on Philly all year, and I will give you credit for that. You're sticking to your guns. I, I, I do respect that. Um, I got we'll not much to can... comment on them. You know more about them than I do. We will see if they can put it together in the second half. Uh, we are well into the second half in the NHL season. 
Um, some teams really distancing themselves from the pack. Boston looks really good. Uh, Tampa, I believe, has rattled off, what, 12 straight? Tampa, straight. Tampa started uh, out slow, and now they've just kind of turned into the wagon that people thought they were yeah, going to be. They're a couple points off of uh, Boston for the overall lead in the NHL. But, uh, Matt, I want to talk Blackhawks here because it seems like just a couple weeks ago we were excited about the potential of, you know, gunning for an eight seed, um, looking for uh, looking for a playoff berth, mm-hmm. getting back in, in, into the postseason, and you've, um, you've deemed them dead at this point. Oh, they're dead. It's over. Um, I, they might go on a run at some point and make you think it's back, but there's there's too many teams to jump. They do have some games at hand, um, but the team you saw last night was just kind of dead and somewhat of a must-win game. I really think they went out on that five-game Canadian road trip last week, and they they played not bad. Like they, they went one and four, but they did not play. Or they didn't play bad, and I think that was a little bit demoralizing to that group to have some pretty good efforts, have some good road games, and, and not quite must-win spots, but close to it. And to come up short like they did, it seemed like it was a little bit demoralizing. They're coming back to the trade deadline here. Trade deadline is Monday. Um, a lot of moves going around the NHL, and the, the it seems to be a seller's market because people are overpaying for pieces. And if Stan Bowman is not selling uh, in the next couple of days, I will be very, very disappointed. Uh, they, they have some pieces they can move. They can recoup some picks, some prospects, whatever. Get what you can, try and retool, and see what you got next year because I still think it's a pretty solid core but this year as far as I'm concerned is uh it's done it's very much it's done. over yeah it's over last night they had a chance to you know coming, coming back from a road trip playing not a very good team Panarin was back so it's kind of a fun little storyline even to get yourself into it and mm-hmm. they just completely laid an egg so I you know I can only ask questions here I can't really sure. offer I can do my best insight. answer do you believe that the futility of the Chicago Bulls is doing the Chicago Blackhawks any favors? Because I feel like there's been such a focus on how bad the Bulls have been and ownership and management and coaching that we're kind of giving Jeremy Colleton a, a bit of a break here. I don't think Jeremy Colleton gets the break. I think Stan Bowman sometimes gets Stan the break. Stan Bowman's getting I, the break. I, well, honestly, Colleton still gets booed sometimes. Like when they introed him last yeah. night, like you still hear some boos, and like we've talked about it before, whether you think he's a good coach or not. Well, I've seen Hawks Twitter up in arms about some of the pairings. Some of the pairings, been fine, but quite honestly, he doesn't have a lot to like. He doesn't have much to work with at this point. The defensive core of this group is, it's not Shot. very good. Um, they, they haven't really given him much to work with. I'm not saying he's done a great job either, but he doesn't have a ton to work with the players don't really seem to be playing for him right now at this point and that's that's a problem and whether or not you like him or think he has a fair shake it might be time for a change I think I've said that before in the past um but I mean I do think the futility of the Bulls helps because like around you know work Twitter whatever like people tend to focus on that and how bad the Bulls are you know you see the Hawks drop a tough one you still have the Bulls coming back playing the Hornets tonight and you look and see how much worse it could be and the Blackhawks mm-hmm. you, you still have three Stanley Cups very vividly in your memory even though that's you know five years ago now is the last one you still have you know Hall of Fame talents you know elite Hall of Fame talents top 100 NHL players of all time on the ice so you still have something to look forward to whereas the Bulls you don't really have that at all whatsoever yeah. I, I like um, Zach Levine I'm not looking forward to Zach Levine bringing me a title. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it's completely different situations too with the precedent that was set over the last decade with the Blackhawks and the expectations that we had um, and the celebrations that we mm-hmm. had. I don't know. In some way, those perhaps they raise expectation, but they also um, earn you a little bit of a leash when things aren't going well. The Bulls yeah. haven't 
It's getting to the point though where they're they're running out of a little bit of leash here. If they're yeah. not, if they're not, it's disappointing because they should be. Um, yes. there should wasting, be a little bit. You're wasting the twilight of the prime of two of the best players to ever put on the. Yeah, and the it's not only head. that. Like, not only is it their prime, but like these guys, Taves and Kane, like they're playing better hockey now, especially Kane, than he really ever did during the runs. Like he was out. Yeah. they were still their two, you know, best players and obviously elite players. You know, Conn Smythe winners. Since that run kind of ended, and I think you know, might have been Patrick Kane sensing he had to do a little bit more. Like he's. He won his MVP after the cup run. He's these last couple of years. He was last year. He finished, I think, second or third in the MVP voting. He never really did that during these cup runs because he didn't have to. But like you said, like this is the prime and not always the prime. Like this is the best part of their prime right now. This is the best they've ever looked. And it's just kind of being wasted by the inability to put a successful, you know, group of role players around them, which is really, really disappointing and saddening. And all it is is them pretty much Stan Bowman trying to recapture the past and bring back old guys that helped win them cups, and it's not working. That's about four minutes worth of Matt's Hockey Minute right there. That was that an deserved untimed, it. It was an obit. It was an untimed, unofficial Matt's Hockey Minute, and if it's an obit, yeah, you, you get the you get the extra time there. But yeah. uh, that's, all the, that's all the hockey talk we're going to put down for today. Uh, let's talk a little bit of baseball. Spring training has opened up, and man, has it ever. I don't remember a year where pitchers and catchers – hasn't just completely subsided to no news for about three weeks until they actually start playing games. Mm. But we are carried over with storylines out of the Houston Astros and uh, out of the commissioner's office. Commissioner Manfred calling the commissioner's trophy, quite ironically, a piece of metal the other day. Didn't sit well with a lot of guys. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on what has just been a dumpster fire to open the season here? Yeah, by the way, I I think I... The, my biggest takeaway is I love how the players are responding to it. They're not really afraid to call out their commission. No, they're not afraid they're to call out the commissioner. Astros. They're calling they're out cheaters. They're calling out everything. Good for right them now. because they're they're right and they're they're speaking their minds and they don't really they're not going to get punished for it. But like that, Rob Manfred's press conference, his statement, all that. Whether you think about the you know whether you like the punishment or not, which obviously most people don't. Um, mm-hmm. His defending of it is just kind of a little bit of a joke, and he's. Like you say, he called the trophy a piece of metal, which is what these guys, anybody in any sport, just, you know, that's the ultimate goal. That's why you play the game. And he pretty much just insulted every one of his players who goes out there and starts their season in February and ends it in October trying to win that trophy. It's, it's, it's kind of insulting and good on the players for stepping up and saying something about it. Yeah, um, I've been very surprised by the player reaction here um, that it's been so outward, um, that it's been very so... Candid candid that that guys are not um th- that they're not afraid to speak their minds but it also does open up the question of are you squeaky clean and no one's asked that question to anyone mm-hmm. just sat down and said you know with the um you know w- with the strong stance that you've taken against this level of cheating is it 100% true to say that your franchise that your clubhouse that your teammates have not engaged in any sort of similar techniques now when people ask where the line is and we've set this line on this podcast before today Mm -hmm. when you start putting hardware when you start putting cameras in center when you start banging on trash cans it's always going to be an edge there's always going to be gray area you're always going to try and pick up some signs if you're on second base try and relay a sign whatever that's baseball but when you start using buzzers and hardware and things of that sort, it does cross a line. But the question needs to be asked, are you doing anything unsavory, Cody mm-hmm. Bellinger? Um, 
what, what did the Dodgers do to gain an edge last season? None of these hands are clean. So it's easy to sit back and say, look what they did, look what it turned into. But what if the Yankees do win that World Series? If they beat the Astros, if they go on to win the World Series, and it comes out that they were doing a couple things that weren't necessarily above board. Is it the Astros then pointing fingers from their high from their high horse? Because I don't think anyone's 100% innocent in the game of baseball. It's a game that's always had an air back to the early 1900s of cheating, of a leg up, of trying to game the system a little bit. So I don't think anyone's 100% clean. Do I think that sign stealing is happening to this extent anywhere else? I don't know. That's a fair point. Uh, you, you might be right, but the Astros are the ones that got caught doing it. And I would imagine if somebody or players, whatever, were doing something to that extent, knew there might be a chance they get caught, they probably wouldn't be speaking out against it as much as they are. Uh, that's just a gut feeling that if I were in that position, I don't think I'd be as adamant about it. Um, I, I also think the Astros, for the most part, just kind of need to shut up. Um, Carlos Correa keeps it seems like every day he's got a little bit new, like he's got a new quote defending whoever here and there at, at some point you just got to say like hey guys we're not talking about it it's 2020 like season's over that happened we made our statements and now we're, we're done with it um, it's it's also kind of fascinating watching Dusty Baker kind of have to go through this and advocate it being not there at all not involved with it but he's still kind of the face of it in on every press conference getting questions about it. it's been entertaining to see him kind of navigate it and I'm not sure there's anyone better to try and do that than Dusty yeah, but I'm also worried that they're just trotting him out there as um, the sacrificial lamb. Maybe know? they are. And if he he's wants a new to make, guy. If he's going to take a paycheck to do that, Joe, I would, I'd take his yeah. paycheck to go out there and be a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, you want to dive into some buy or sell here before we say goodbye? We can. Um, all right, why don't you hit me? Um, what did I have? I already forgot. Oh, Wilder Fury. That's this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're the fight sports guy. This is as big, of a, so. as, big, as big of a heavyweight battle as we've had since the last time these two fought. Um, odds on the website I look at, Wilder is minus 120. Fury plus 100 is even money. Over-under is set at 10 and a half rounds. Joe, who are you buying? Who are you selling? This is tough. Like, I... Any, I think that this this fight goes down one of two ways, and that's Fury by decision, Wilder by knockout. Okay. Um, I, we saw Fury get up last time from what appeared to be being knocked out cold, so I don't know if there's anything that can keep this man on the mat after seeing that. If there is something that can keep this man on the mat, it's that last punch. I mean, there is, there is carryover from knockout to knockout. He was unconscious a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago on the canvas and got up, you know, at his age being knocked out like that, you never really get back to a hundred percent. You might get back to 98%. You might get back to 96%. How old is Fury? Fury's got to be in his mid thirties. I mean, he had a full career before he had his breakdown. Um, let me look it up right now. I'm already Googling it. You keep talking. He's 31. 31. Okay. So younger than I thought too, but he's lived the life of 10 men. Mm -hmm. Um, being 500 pounds and going through the mental health issues that he went through. And I, I, I just don't know if he has the ability to get up as he did last time. And I, I don't think that there's anything in Fury's arsenal that's going to put, um, that's going to put Wilder on the mat. So he's going to have to outscore him. He's going to have to dance around him. He's going to have to, you know, lead with that jab. He's so quick for a big guy that he's going to outscore Wilder. Mm-hmm. I just think that Wilder is going to be swinging for the fences. And Land I, a couple if, big if punches. I, 
if I have to, if I had to make a prediction, I think Wilder knocks him out late in the late in the fight. So you would you go Wilder and under the ten and a half rounds? Uh, that that total seems pretty right. Yeah, like it, it might happen in the tenth. Um, I mean, he knocked Here's him down. But, what? What is that? In in like does that that half actually apply to the time in the rounds so like a minute if, if he's no I think out? I think that I think that once the 11th, ten is a push I think ten no I think ten is I believe if he gets knocked out in the tenth it's a win it's a good question though. ten and a half means the eleventh the bell has to ring to start the eleventh okay got it that's um, if I'm not mistaken I'm I plan on watching the fight this weekend some way so I guess I'm, to I answer don't your know question how to break it down as much as you do but I'm very excited I'm buying Wilder it. okay. Um, I'm buying Wilder. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Um, again, you know, we've talked about in the past how a few of these weight classes in both MMA and in boxing are jam-packed right now. And between Joshua, Fury, um, Wilder. And Does the winner here take on, fight Joshua? I don't know. It, it, it never makes any sense. Like, okay. it should. The winner here should, but... I think Wilder's, or excuse me, Joshua's already trying to make a fight with someone else prior to, um, and then like Andrew Weiss, who held the belt for like six months and then got beaten Saudi Arabia to give the belt back to Wilder, or excuse me, back to Joshua. Joshua. Like, where does he stand in all of this? So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. Um, I do think that this is the last time we, because it was a draw in fight one, I think this is the last Fury Wilder we see. What if they draw draw again? again. If they draw again, then they fight again. Yeah. But I I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, we shall see. It's going to be fun action, as it always is. Um, love a good fight night. Love a good fight Gotta night. Gotta love a good fight night. Matt, you, buy yourself the, the new NFL CBA playoff plans, which in my um, elementary understanding of the new rules is going to add a team to each side, the NFC and the AFC, to make the playoffs, and it's going to take away a buy. So only the top team in each conference gets the buy. I like it a lot. I'm always about incentivizing that top seed. Like I, I, I'm cool with the ones and twos getting buys, but like for the most part, other than a home field game in the third round of the playoffs, that's really the only other incentive you have. Mm-hmm. I think that makes being number one that much more important. That makes you know not resting people week six, 16, 17 more likely. Um, any. Thing that gets us more playoff football, another you know chance to make the end of the regular season for that chase for the seventh spot that much more interesting. I'm into it. I don't think it really does anything to the end of, to the regular season except make those last couple weeks a little bit more exciting, and just gives another team a chance. So I'm totally in on it. I don't want to expand it too much more than that. But if you're going to add one more team, make that number one seed that much more important. I'm, I'm totally in on it. Yeah, like I don't have I don't have any problem with this. I also don't have any problem with the way things are right now. Yeah, know? it's not wrong, but if they if want to do this, take the don't, don't fix it. if it ain't broke approach, I get that. Or if you're going to try and make some more money, I, I like this way more than I like more games in the regular season. Agree. I, I, I can deal with this. Um, I don't need more regular season. Oh, don't my, I would love it because I I love football, but I don't my line more. my line really is. You gotta have less than half the teams in the league making the playoffs. You can't have more than you can't have your bot anyone from the bottom half of your league in the playoffs. And this maintains that. You know, mm-hmm. fourteen of the thirty-two would be in the playoffs in this format. So I, I really don't have any problems with it either. Gives the Bears even more chance, Joe. Bears, Bears. Uh, we uh, haven't uh, talked a lot of college basketball. I think that's going to change here coming up soon. I think also part yeah. of that is because there's really no 
dominant team. There's no Duke like there was last year with all the, the stars on or anything. Um, but was scrolling through the, the top five the other day, Joe, and I, or the top 25, excuse me, and I saw that there are three mid-majors in the top five. That That's wild to me. We got San Diego State, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. Dayton. So I'm going to ask you, it's hard to predict now, but buy or sell a mid-major wins the national title this year. I sell it. Um, I don't you think. You want Baylor? San Diego State, Gonzaga. When you're a mid-major, your strength of schedule is going to naturally be lower. But yes. these are, even for lower strength of schedules, they've had substantial cakewalks in okay. San Diego State uh, and in Gonzaga. Dayton's had to win a couple games. Uh, Obi Toppin is likely to be a lottery pick he's unbelievable but uh i see kansas winning the championship this year i'll make an early prediction here okay i think that baylor is really good i think they're a complete basketball team but i think that just and they're gonna see kansas once more this season i believe in the regular season i think um, they got one more i think it's next and weekend you'll likely see each other they'll likely see each other in the big 12 championship game mm-hmm. as well so they're gonna know a lot about each other at that point i I guess I'm just like when it comes to college basketball, blue bloods are bust, um, and I know that doesn't always that's fair. Doesn't always I mean, that's work, not a but bad it's usually going to get you. Time. It's usually going to get you two of four teams in your final four, if not three of four teams in your final four. Do yeah. I believe that one of these mid majors has the ability to make it to the final weekend of the season in the final four? Absolutely. I think Gonzaga's really tough. I think Dayton's really tough, but they kind of strike me as in a Sweet Sixteen, Upset Elite Eight, team. misstep type yeah. of team. Um, and I can't, can't really put my finger on San Diego State because we haven't seen them play the likes of a Kansas State. We haven't seen mm-hmm. them play. I don't think they've played an AP top 10 team, if I'm not mistaken. I so believe you're right. Once we see them do that, I'll have a lot better feeling about an undefeated San Diego State team. You got to give them their flowers. You got to give them their credit in the meantime. Uh, you know, you can only play the schedule you're given, but I'm not confident enough to say that that's a team we're going to see in the Final Four or winning the championship. I sell on a mid-major winning the championship this year. Yeah, I'm scrolling through uh, San Diego State's schedule here, and it pretty much seems like Iowa is the that was best it. team, that, which not a bad team, but if that's the best yeah. team on your schedule, uh, not great. I don't know enough about college. I, I haven't watched enough college basketball to really know, so I'm going to take your word for it. I guess the only thing that your team that kind of jumps out at me, Gonzaga is not necessarily a blue blood, blue blood. But they're getting to that point of they're the team that's always kind of there. They're consistently in the top five. It's not like a Dayton where you're you know randomly in the top five. They have a very good coach. They have very you know they they always have pretty decent recruiting classes, talent. So I guess that for me is the one team that wouldn't shock me if they finally got over that hump because they've again like I know they're a mid major, but they've been there before. They've been there several times. They know how to win big games. So that's I guess the one team that kind of jumps out at me. But it does seem like a year that I watched Kansas the other day. I forgot who they're playing Saturday, but they looked uh, Oklahoma. I think maybe they they looked really really good. I would believe you there, uh, Matt. I don't have another one for you. I'm sorry. That's, that's okay. It. That's that's it. Know, that's that's fine. Uh, I think I come up with two. You come Kyle up with Long. one. Buy or sell Kyle Long as an on air talent. He's gunning uh, to be a uh, NFL commentator. I want I want him to do radio. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I've heard he did a couple uh, shows with Cap. Uh, week or two ago i think uh-huh. he's pretty good uh he was able to talk about they obviously callers and they tried to tailor it to football conversation but he was able to talk about that i'm in on that and I, I saw him on the nfl network which he's he's kind of doing the rounds now it seems like and he could be fine at it i thought he was just okay at least the first stint i saw there on tv but i would be all for him i, I think he's got the personality the the mojo to be a, a radio guy a radio yeah. personality um i think he's going to be good 
at whatever he He'll does. Be, he he I, I will love, be good at whatever he I does. I just I love club. that. No one, no that one is route. good their first time on TV. Um, you weren't good your first time second, on TV? Or their third. No, it's, no, I'm still okay. Is there is there a lost <laughs> tape out there? Uh, there's plenty. Of, I mean, if you want to give 10, 11 News a call in Lincoln, I'm sure they could dig some stuff up for you, but him, I don't have any of it. I'll give him a call. Yeah. Don't do not do that. I won't. Maybe um, that's Good it. old 10, that's 11 it. in Lincoln. That's it, and that's all, I believe. You don't have any Cornhusker talk? No Nebraska football? Nothing for you. Nothing. No, no Nebraska football. No. Uh, the Fred Hoiberg era the fighting basketball is going exactly how you think it would. I thought it would uh, go a little better. <laughs> Why? Because he's never won anything in basketball. No, but Fred's a successful college coach. As Iowa a mid-major. Yeah, as sure. a mid-major. He was at Iowa coach, State. Coach against the Big Ten schedule. See if you're any good. He was at Iowa recruit, State. Recruit against... Uh, Iowa yeah, State's not, not a mid-major yeah, Iowa school. State's well. They're... They're a school that's okay with upsets and a tournament berth. Coach against the coach against the Big Ten schedule. Recruit against the Big Ten. See what you can do. Let's not. You know? Let's not. And I think that. And I think Fred that. Boyd. You know. No, I'm not. That, to be fair, I think he's in a similar position right now from a recruiting standpoint as he was at Iowa State. Bottom half of the conference. You know, you're never going to be first pickings. You've got to find someone who's going to change your program. Can you? Can't you? You know, it doesn't appear that he has. Ooh, I, I got one question. You might, I don't know if you know it, if you, if you have a great answer for this yet, but I know you guys do college basketball. Obviously, CBS is pretty much the the home for college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame, what are my fighting Irish's chance here at a, at a tournament bid? Because I see them. They're playing They're playing competitive. They're right in the middle of the pack of the ACC. Looks like they're, they're one game under 500 in conference, but they're playing some good teams well, and they're winning some games. They got a chance here? They have all the makings of a first four out. Okay. Um, but with that being said, you're not far from a first uh, last four in. Okay. Um, need an ACC up, tournament run, essentially? I think you needed at least a, a deep ACC tournament run. <laughs> they got um, Miami at Boston College at Wake versus Florida State versus Virginia Tech. A Florida State win gets you in, I think. I okay. think if you do what you need to do with the rest of the schedule and upset Florida State, you're hard to deny. Okay. Um, but outside of that, it would take like a super deep ACC run and a three-point loss to Florida State or something like that. Well, we've, we've seen uh, they had that tough loss at Florida State. I think, yeah, by 185-84, so they played them. But our guy, uh, our the guy, fighting Jerry Mike Paul, Gray's gets him going. Our expert bracketologist, Jerry Palm, I believe, has them on the outside looking in right okay. now. Okay. Huh? Yep. Yep. So you're and saying there's uh, a chance. It's a little bonus college hoops talk for the uh, Moose and Runes listeners here on episode 142 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, listening, getting involved. Um, as we always say it, jump on Twitter, get in that mailbag. We want to answer some of your questions. These are perfect weeks where things are a little bit slower to you know, dig into some sandwich conversations. Or, uh, you watch or, The Bachelor? Or maybe, I do watch. I've been watching this season. How's it going? I hadn't, I hadn't watched since the Aaron Rodgers brother season. When um, was that? It was like, what, five years ago? A couple of years, couple of year, three, four years ago, something like that. Um, had really avoided it like the plague since then, and Shelby's not a huge Bachelor watcher. Oh, so you're um, just in it. You're, like, it's not, it's no, not no, Shelby no, no. watching. It's this it's season. Watching it. No, it's, it's us watching. It's, okay. it's, it's one of our things, Matt. All right? Okay, I'm just asking. We share it. It's I'm not asking. just me. Jeez. Um, I'm so defensive. This, I don't know what it was about this season. I think it was because it was the girl from Chicago that was friends of friends. Um, oh, that's nice. And then Is she, she eliminated she got eliminated late though. She made Bummer. final five, I think something. Like I feel that. like to see how many how many stars on the best friend Kelly. Um, sure, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, who that uh, is, but I don't sure. think it starts with like thirty something. So she really she made a deep it's run, already down a, that a many. Respectable what? tournament run. It's down to the final three. Okay. Down who's going to who's gonna yeah, win? Who do we did, like? They just did hometowns. I, I saw some of that, and I saw something about being <sighs> Madison, in like Auburn basketball or something. Madison has really been head and shoulders 
bigger than everyone, better than everyone this season. Victoria F, I mm. think. There's two Victorias. Th- Victoria, yeah, not anymore, but Victoria oh. F still carries the F. Victoria F's got a still a, carries the F. A, a seedy past, apparently. Ooh. But uh, what's the what kind of past? Pete, uh, uh, just a lot of boyfriends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they went on a date and like Chase Young or one of the country stars was like singing. I heard about. I saw she's this. Like, on this Twitter. is so awkward. I used to date him. So like she's had, but like she's made it through all of these different trials and tribulations. So she's got a good shot too. Madison, I thought was a shoe in. She dropped the bomb last week that she's saving herself for marriage. Has oh. not told, has not told Pete yet. So Uh-oh. that could be a, well. Good thing they get married next pretty much week right on don't think the married, Bachelor. Like, don't they get married like right away? So is that no? You don't. Problem? I think that was like an old thing. Now it's just oh, like okay. they give you an engagement ring sponsored by K Jewelers or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So he didn't go to Jared. That's what talk. That's what talk here on uh, on Moose and Rings. I'm, episode you know, I'm just trying to trying to educate the people. Spice it up. Spice it up. Uh, yep. But uh, we don't we don't plug we don't plug non CBS shows here. It's on, true on the podcast. Man. We don't do that. So well, NBC that, sometimes. Stricken that from NBC. yeah some NBC NBC NBC, NBC regional Chicago, NBC yeah. regional love the NBC regional. regional. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, Speaking right, of which, Chicago it. Bulls basketball, Charlotte Hornets, tune in tonight, people. It's going to be a in. barn burner. NBA back in action on Thursday night. Enjoy the watch. Enjoy the stretch run. And as always, enjoy the Moose Moons podcast. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll see you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.